Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Today, we have a good friend of mine, a recent friend of mine, uh, Diane Vickis, who is a former, as she said, former six-foot collegiate lacrosse player at Brown University, a surgical physician's assistant in Syracuse, New York, now living a life a little shorter in Boston, Mass., focusing on rehab while trying to find her next calling. Diane, welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, this is awesome. It was great to see you at the Challenge Athletes Foundation event this past weekend. This is this is an interesting thing, right? Because for us, we've brought on a lot of people, we say, interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community. Yeah. And resilience is a huge part of what we do. The the accomplished for you is in some ways in the future because it's 15 months since your accident. You're still trying to figure out what happened. I saw you this, this last weekend in San Diego, which was your very first trip on an airplane. So yeah. what is, you, you're recently out of the hospital, recently out of rehab, out of Spalding. What is life like for you right now? Like you're saying, trying to find your next calling. You're waiting for your next calling. Uh, what's yeah. what's going on? <laughs> Honestly, every single month is different for me. And every single month I'm seeing like new things I'm doing, new people I meet. And I'm just trying to get myself out there as much as I can to um, make these connections and create new opportunities for myself. So um, I'm really focusing on rehab and just trying to get stronger every day. Um, my, my, I, I guess, neuro recovery has kind of plateaued, but I don't believe that that's really gonna prevent me from still like growing and like getting stronger and seeing progress and like what I can do every day. Um, so I'm kind of, when I say like waiting for my next calling, it's just, it, it's really unknown because I just feel like every single month I'm meeting new people and I have, I don't know like where that can take me and I'm open to any possibility. I want to get back into healthcare. I miss it so much. Um, but I also want to get stronger and want to walk. So I'm, you know, trying to balance those two things and yeah. Um, so being at the challenge athletes foundation, that was, uh, Oh, so uplifting. And I was walking by the first night on Friday night, um, or rolling by with my friend who, who was there with me, um, and saw you out of the corner of my eye. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Chris, it was awesome. And, but like being there and having like seeing all these amputees and people in wheelchairs and, kids in wheelchairs um, was just like nothing I've, I've experienced. I mean, I've only been in a wheelchair for 15 months and um, it was just like the norm to have a disability, you know? Like if you didn't have a disability or like kind of, you were the outcast, you know? So it was like a flip of society. Um, and it was just, it was so empowering to see 
I think the most empowering thing was seeing like the kids interact with each other and just like the huge smiles on their face when they were like interacting with other wheelchair users. Um, Because I've really, you know, have, have had a, like, it's been a big shock to, to be in the society in a wheelchair. how does that work? So, so it's kind of interesting, right? Because a lot of the people, I mean, for me, I'm coming up on 33 years in a wheelchair in December, December 20 to December 20th will be 33 years for me. Oh. This is 15 months for you. So it's so much fresher yeah. in your mind, like that, that moment of my life has changed profoundly. I mean, in some ways you're saying you want to get back into healthcare, but in a lot of ways you've you've been in healthcare. It just happens to be a really personal form of healthcare. And you probably know better questions to be able to ask. But what was the what was the story that you told yourself as you were going through as your life, as you went from being six feet tall? You know, I say this, I I, I, I was six feet tall as well. So going from six feet to like 410, right? (laughs) It's like life, your perspective is entirely changed, but your perspective about your future has changed as well. How, how were you able to kind of persist? Um, so when I first fell, I, I fell off um, a fire escape ladder, 12 feet. Um, I just, I slipped going down uh, and forward on my back. And you know, when I first fell, I just laid there and was in pain. My shoulder hurt, I broke my scapula. So immediately I was like, oh gosh, that's gonna hurt. That's the only thing that really hurt because I couldn't feel anything from my chest down. Then when I realized that I was paralyzed, which only took seconds, um, I didn't hit my head or anything. So like I was fully alert, aware and everything. Um, I, I realized, wow, I'm paralyzed. I just ruined my life. My life is over. Like those were my immediate thoughts. Like, and then it's like my life is never gonna be the same. I this the next like couple months or wow, like I was just kind of like speechless, but laying there as by myself. But I was pretty calm. Um I think you know you ever worked with anyone? Like, so you were a surgical physician's assistant had you ever worked with anyone who was a quadriplegic no No. really didn't have a lot of experience with it no okay okay um I because I was mostly like in surgery I did a neurosurgery rotation in school so I did like a lot of back surgeries and you know scrubbed into neck surgeries and um so even like the surgery that I got that night I had scrubbed in and seen before Um, so I, I like knew all like what was going to happen, like what the next steps were going to be. So even going to the ER, like, um, or going in the ambulance, they were like, all right, you punctured a lung, like you're, you're going to need a chest tube, got into the ER. I knew I needed a chest tube as they were doing it. I knew like I could picture what was happening. I was still terrified and freaked out and, (laughs) and scared, but like, I, I knew like I'd been on the other side. So I was fairly calm, all things considered. Um, But also like on the other side of it, 
I'll fast forward a couple months and just like taking it all in. I think weirdly enough, um, so I had gotten diagnosed with type one diabetes my senior year of high school. And that was like really hard for me, big transition. Senior year of high school, like you're, that's, you're pretty young, lots of changes. You're about to go to college. Then you get type one diabetes and you have to manage all that. And I was very self-conscious about like, you know, wearing a pump like I didn't want the tube showing and like I didn't want to put bring out needles or test my sugar in front of anyone like I want to hide it any way possible I've been living with it for 10 years now so I've just gotten like very comfortable with it and like hey this I have this not whatever like here you can see it doesn't matter I'm still gonna like be better at you in this this and this so who cares you know so I kind of like weirdly enough I think type 1 diabetes kind of prepared me well for getting paralyzed (laughs) you know because then I'm like all right I'm paralyzed so this sucks but you know what I'm I'm gonna work my tail off and I'm still gonna show you that I can do this this and this so, and this one you can't really hide. I mean, you could try to hide the, the pump, you know, the type one diabetes pump or whatever, the insulin pump. But this one, it's like, it's pretty obvious that you're, you're in a wheelchair. You're, you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. 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 You're not just hanging out there just because it's more comfortable. Right. Right. <laughs> I wish. Exactly. So, so how do you, how do you go from that? Because in some ways it's almost harder, right? That, you know, what is what is what you know the physiology of of all of all that's happening right and so so you kind of know that part you know okay that that quadriplegic that c6 i mean this is like you did get good news as far as being c6 right which wasn't necessarily great news for you but what was what was the good news that they told you so the good news, yeah, like the fur when I first woke up and, you know, they're doing the, the sensory testing and the motor testing and the strength testing, um, they were testing my arms and I had good arm strength, good bicep. They're like, oh, you're strong. I'm like, all right, like I am stuck in bed and can't move a thing, but sure, thanks. And then they test my triceps and I had triceps, which for a C6 is, you know, a miracle because um, triceps is innervated by C7. So oh, right away, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky you got triceps. This, this is, wow, you're C6 and you have triceps? I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, yeah, whatever, like still paralyzed. <laughs> you weren't feeling so lucky at the moment but not feeling lucky at all but now i you know having triceps i'm able to push my chair i'm able to be in a manual chair and not a power chair um so that definitely i've i've come to find really is like a miracle that i have that um and like even it's hard to say but i've always been like an optimistic person so C6, like, and I have to remind myself of this often, but um, C6, all right, that's a cervical neck injury. 
you don't have any core function. Um, and so it's very hard to balance, very hard to do things. You don't have any hand function. Uh, like often I'm like, why can't I just be like T1? Like, come on, you know? Or like, why can't I be like C8? Like, come on. But on the other side, at least I'm not C4, you know? Like at least, at least I have my arms and my wrists and I'm in a manual chair, not a power chair. So um, I, I do have to remind myself of that often. And, and the gym that I go to is um, definitely a place where you see that, like you see the people that have, you know, a lower injury and are better off functioning and are able to stand up and one foot in front of the other, even though it's very challenging for them. But then you see the people that are in a power chair and in a sip and puff and can hardly move their neck and are tricked. So um, that's like, it's a place where you're, you're very humbled and grounded uh, because I, I feel like I'm like kind of right in the middle of like catastrophe or, you know, like kind of a little easier, so. It's all relative. Yes, you're totally true. So, and you have to define uh, sip and puff as well, because people out there might not necessarily know what a sip and puff is. Yeah, so it's a it's a power chair where you have um, like a mouthpiece device that you can control uh, your wheelchair and you can uh, move your neck and head and like uh, like some some it's just that, others uh, you can like breathe a little bit or suck a little bit and that also moves it. Um, Helps direct your chair. So it's like a joystick that you basically use by your mouth. Right, yeah, yeah. So when did this sense of optimism come about? I mean, was this, did it come early? Did it come, I mean, how, when did you, when did you sort of say, okay, well, this is the situation, could be better could be worse, but I'm going to go forward. When did that happen? Um, honestly, I think it's just been ingrained in me uh, since I was little um, that when like immediately when I, when I fell, I was like, shoot, like, um, you know, my first thought was my life was over, but I would you know, that was an exaggeration. And I knew like, I could still like get through it and work hard and, you know, um, persevere. And I guess there wasn't like a moment in my injury that I felt that way. Um, I, def I definitely had a lot of ups and downs um, and felt like, you know, the whole five stages of grief um, so I wasn't optimistic through it all, but I think like the ingrained optimism in me, um, just kind of always kept me level-headed and I've always been like, even if I had a bad day in rehab and I cried all day, be like, all right, just sleep. Tomorrow's a new day. The sun is going to shine. And 
that was a nice part about being in Spalding is like had a great view of the water. The sun would shine right in my eyes. And it was always annoying because I like couldn't see because you wake up and my blood pressure was a major issue um, at Spalding, um, which is a major issue for, you know, I think everyone that's initially paralyzed is orthostatic hypotension. So your blood pressure uh, tends to drop even when you just like sit up in bed. Um, my blood pressure tends to still drop when I stand, but when I was in rehab, I would sit up in bed and I would pass out. Like, and that happened a couple of times. The nurses had to like, nurses would be in the room with me and I would be eating my breakfast I would, or I would sit up to eat my breakfast. I would take one bite and I would just pass out. And they'd be like, Diane, 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 code red or whatever. People would run in. And then I would wake up to like 10 people in my room and I'd be like, I'm fine. What, what's everyone here for? No, oh, you just want to say hi to me? Hi. Hi, you guys can leave now. You know, like, so, um, like, even if you had a bad day, I would just start over the next day. Um, and I think that really, really helped me. Um, and yeah. Did that strength come from within? Did, is it part of part of family you know part of like your upbringing is it part of your community you know is it part of faith or you know I mean how where does that strength come from I think it's a question for a lot of people right yeah yeah for me it comes from my family and my friends and community um I like even when I was in the hospital in Syracuse um even like the first couple of days I got like tons of flowers and I'm like, how does, how do people know I'm here? Like, how, you know, like, where are these flowers coming from? And I would get flowers from like these random people that, not random, but like, you know, people I hadn't talked to in a while. And, and it was really, really special. Um, and then my room would always be decorated with flowers and cards and even like, the one card I got, I still have it actually right up there. It says, you are brave, you are strong, you are loved. And I would wake up to that every day and I would look at that. Or if I was like having a bad, bad moment or I was struggling to breathe, which all of my like ICU stay, I was struggling to breathe. You know, like I was on, on and off ventilators and on in, in and out of being intubated and just like, felt like I was drowning in my own saliva. And I would look at that and I would, and I would read, you are brave, you are strong, you are loved. You're brave, you're strong, you're loved. And I would just like, that like literally got me through. And then I would look at all these other cards too. But that one just, it was like a bold card. And those three like mantras essentially just like got me through it. And um, it, it like, all of that just like helped me, helped me get strength, get strength or have strength. Um, and then same, same ordeal in rehab. Um, like my, so I came to Boston for rehab. It was um, a decision that me and my family made together uh, to come to, to Boston. Um, and to go to Spalding Rehabilitation Center uh, right here in Charlestown. Um, and I really wanted to come here because I knew I had 
a community here. Um, since I went to school in Providence, um, a lot of my um, college friends were here. My very best friend from college was here. Um, and then a lot of my high school friends are here. So when I moved here or came to rehab here, you know, my family was still in Syracuse, but I had all these friends in, um, in Boston and I had a schedule every single day of people that would come to uh, visit me in rehab. And it was tough because it was during COVID. So um, the visitors were restricted for the majority of the time. And I could have two visitors a day one hour each visitor and they weren't allowed at the same time uh but every day i had a schedule of who it was going to be and like out for like two weeks someone would text me and be like hey can i come see you i'm like well i'm booked up for three weeks <laughs> but that like truly kept me going and even like um at the end of the day i would be exhausted from therapy all day because i had like three four hours of therapy today um and I'd be exhausted and my parents would be like do you you really want your friends to come visit you today like you know you should rest and be like no like I need them here like they're getting me through they are 100 like I am exhausted but if I don't have them here like I'm I'm just gonna like get depressed and sit here and like I don't know, like drowned in my own sorrows. Like I need them here to distract me, to put a smile on my face, talk to me. Like I, I really need them. And they, they really gave me that. And they decorated my whole room within like a couple of days. And then like nurses would come in and be like, you've been here for like two days. And like, this is, it looks like you've been here for a month. Like, cause I had pictures everywhere and like cards everywhere. And like, even like, I don't even know, like decor, like my, my best friend like brought in these pic like decor photos and they're like, are, are you, is this an apartment? Like, what are you doing? So it was like a very homey, um, homey hospital room and all because of the community that, um, helped me and supported me. Well, that's, that's the demonstration of you being loved, right? This is your, your yeah. brave, your powerful, your love. And, and that's sustenance in so many ways. It's the thing that's, that's bringing you along. But what about, what about the other side? I mean, I, I often believe that, that you are going to get better based on what you love, you know, like a passion that you have, a reason, a purpose, the thing that makes you do that much more. Did you have that kind of a purpose, that kind of a personal love? um like what do you mean I mean definitely activity gave me that purpose um, so like for me it was really like like I, I was convinced I was going to ski again and and it was like okay you know first it was it was I'm going to go back to college and I went back to college two months after the accident and then it was like I'm, I'm going to ski again I'm going to you know and it's partially like you're talking about I'm going to walk you know and that's that in some ways is the only way especially initially that you can imagine that you are recovered mm -hmm. is that you walk. I mean, you break your arm, they put in a cast, they take the cast off, your arm's okay. Yeah. 
this is a little bit different situation, right? And so, so, so was it that kind of thing, you know, that kind of like passion of like, I'm going to show you wrong. You think, you think that you know what I can do and I'm going to prove to you that I can do more. Or what, what was the thing that got you up in the morning and got you to work? Um, I think I'm still trying to figure that out because I set very small goals for myself um, and I tackle each small goal. And if, and I still have those small goals, like my next small goal is to drive. And then after that is to get back to work. But like, I can't get back to work until like, for me, I, I have like small goals in my head. Um, so like in rehab, it was like, all right, I'm going to sit myself up in bed today. Or I, and my sister, um, Karen actually even, when I was in the hospital in Syracuse, she made a list every single day of something I had accomplished, something that I couldn't do the day before. And she said, she called them my milestones. And every day she, she would call me at the end of the day, every single day she'd call me at the end of the day, or if I didn't like, couldn't answer, cause I really couldn't, um, she would call the nurse's station and get an update. But she'd be like, all right, what, like, what did you do today? I'm like, well, um, today I picked my nose. <laughs> it's a huge achievement. She's like, okay. I mean, I don't have fingers. How am I going to pick my nose? You know, like, like, oh, I did nothing. She's like, no, what did you do? So I like, I, you know, kind of like, it was a daily thing. Then as I started to get better, that became like every few days. Um, but then rehab, it was like, right, I'm going to sit myself up. Right, I'm going to transfer myself. If I can transfer myself, I can live independently. The big thing in rehab was like, I'm going to be independent. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a power chair. I don't want to be like, have 24 hour aids. Like, no, let's, I'm not like, I'm independent. Like I can independence is the driving force can you describe what it means to sit up like how I mean I remember trying to sit up the very first time that I tried to sit up like lying on the PT mat and I felt like I was velcroed to the mat like I couldn't truly I couldn't I couldn't yeah. budge yeah um you really without any core I have maybe like my first two maybe maybe uh, I'm still working on them this is the optimism yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but you're just you're literally just yeah that's a great way to put it is velcroed your back is velcroed to the mat so when I was in rehab I was able to kind of roll myself to one side barely grab the um side rail of the hospital bed with one arm and then I was able to like I think grab it with the other arm kind of prop myself up halfway or maybe quarter of the way and then I could put my arms behind me and then like sit up with my legs straight and my body uh like at a perpendicular angle to my legs and that was huge I have a video of that on my Instagram page and I was just so happy that I could do that because that that like that's everything otherwise you're literally just laying in bed stuck there what you know you can't do anything so if I could sit up that means okay 
that means I can get myself out of bed one day. You know, like that means if I can do this now, cause I couldn't do that like a month ago, that means I can get myself out of bed one day by myself. So that means I can live by myself. That means I can take care of myself. That means I can feed myself. That means I can go to work again and be a normal human in society. And I say normal, but like, you know, like, like a functioning person in society. Right. You just get around a little bit differently. What was the wrestling match like? I mean, that must have been exhausting oh, the first yeah. time. I mean, just sort of wedging your arm over I've the rail. Over and-, and over and over again. And like, oh, and then what I remember getting it and I was so happy. And then the next day I like couldn't do it again. And I'm like, wait, what? I did this yesterday. Why can't I do it? Because I had to like be at the right angle and next to the handrail, like had to be, um, I guess I, I had to be at the right angle and like um, at the right length of the bed, like next to the handrail. And if it was like any sort of off, then I couldn't do it. So that was like, I was like, wait, what? I just did this. Um, and still I, I struggle with it, but I actually just got last week. Um, I'm now able to do it like without any hand wraps and I can just do it. I can sit myself up so I can, and it's really all back muscles and scap muscles. I just squeeze my shoulders together and then I'm able to get like one arm kind of straight up behind me or like prop it on my, on my elbow first and then kind of move it, um, back underneath me. And then I can sway to the other side, the other arm up, and then I'm able to like straighten my elbows and sit myself up. And that that's actually something very new that I've just accomplished. Um, so that's really, that was really big for me. And my physical therapist, I was just doing it the other day and now I'm able to completely roll over without any like um, uh, bed rails because previously I could roll over onto my stomach if I grabbed the bed rail with my opposite hand and like kind of pulled my whole body around. But now I can just like do it with momentum and get my arms right and I can just roll over on my own. And I can just, so I can do those two things and I can get my legs up in bed. Um, So she's like, I think I can discharge you. I'm like, wait, okay, I got accomplished those things, but like, I still can't walk. So what, you're discharging me? Like, no, 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 back up. Can I undo what I just did so you don't discharge me? Like, I'm not ready to be discharged. (laughs) I still got a lot more to accomplish. What's but it like? I, Oop, go ahead. I can kind of like, I'm able to do those things on my own now. And I can like do exer. I know what exercises to do now at home. And it is a big deal to be discharged because that means now I don't have to spend as much time in therapy. I can spend that time at work or at a job, you know, and then I can do my therapy at home at my own time and because I know what to do and how to do it um so but that was it was kind of hard to swallow that 
What's it like to look back on, I mean, your sister noted your achievements for each day, and I'm assuming she kept all of these yeah. and that you, and that you have them. Have you gone back and looked at those? You know, I haven't. Let me see if I have them because that would be very funny to read. I'll just type in. Because well. she just texted them to you. Yeah, here they are. Um, so uh, July 19th, she calls me a klutz. And that was the day of my accident. And okay. then July 21st, she said, move, lift, left hand to nose. So like, this was my accomplishment. I could just like, move my arm and bring it to my nose because I couldn't do that um let's see then the next day I brushed teeth with help of tape I actually forget like what that's all about maybe they taped it to my hand or something Taped the toothbrush probably yeah maybe yeah, yeah. and I drank some water uh let's fast forward like a week um she goes you're eating estimation point estimation point through an NG tube though. So I'm not really eating. I had to have a feeding tube, but. The one that went up your nose and down into your stomach, that's. My stomach, yeah, I had that for like um, three weeks. And I remember being really embarrassed that I had that actually. Um, I hated that one, more than like anything else. Yeah. Like I, I, had, I had broken ribs and had, had bleeding in my pleural cavity mm, and they poked a hole in my side and drained it. Yeah. Like that didn't bother me at all, but that NG tube that went up my nose, that, that bug, and the first night I pulled that out, I, I did and proceeded. It was, it was probably the worst night for my mother because she was there in the, in the hospital room with me. And I proceeded to vomit all night long, oh, which is just contorting myself. Right. And she's yeah. just looking at it going, Oh no, he just broke his back. He's doing more damage as a result of vomiting. And, you know, so that was a brutal day. But yeah, I, I'm right there with you. What are these things like? Like, I mean, this thing, you were, you, you were an athlete. I mean, you were a lacrosse player. You did triathlons. You, you went to an Ivy League school. You know, you were, you were a professional. Like, looking at these kinds of achievements, how, how do they fit in the context of what you consider, like, important or worthy? achievements um yeah I, I laughed at these and I was like that's nothing like really I just lifted my hand to my nose like really but wasn't it significant though I mean the thing is like I mean you were you were reduced to such a level that like being able to do one thing was was worthy of like of celebration in some yeah. ways what yeah yeah and, and I'm reading these things <laughs> I was excited about a lot of these things. Um, and I'm really glad she did it because I'm like still reading some, I haven't read these things like in, I don't, I don't know how many months, but a while. Um, it was, I did celebrate a lot of them. Like even August 15th, my voice was back. I couldn't like talk for a couple of weeks. Um, and again, it comes back to the optimism thing. Like I did like celebrate each thing um, on one hand, but on the other hand, I wasn't where I wanted to be. So they kind of like drove me 
to be better and like, okay, yeah, celebrate it, but don't celebrate it too much because you got a lot more to achieve, you know, like, yeah, that's great, but keep working because you got a lot more to do, you know, so I, I did celebrate those small victories and it's again like going back to like having those small goals and like trying to just like knock off one goal at a time um but I guess I don't get caught up too much in like celebrating them a ton because I still got more work to do you still have work to do but it's also a weird thing like in your everyday life like prior to your accident you didn't see a monumental change from one day to the next whereas with this in some ways you see like okay you couldn't lift your hand to your nose and then you could lift your hand to your nose and it's like what what a fundamental change I mean it's it's kind of a weird way to look at it but it's kind of a it's kind of interesting just in that it's like okay I am actually getting better whereas in our everyday lives it's like, did you get better today? You're like, um, I don't know. Today was a lot like yesterday, probably. I mean, maybe we all need your sister to, yeah. to pester us at the end of the day to be like, what did you do better today? You know, what did you do? Honestly, you- yes, everyone needs a sister like this. She's awesome. But um, I think, I guess I, I, I've always been like this. I've been like my hardest critic. And my parents will say that. My coaches will say that. Like if I'm coaching someone else or, you know, I I really want to get involved with like mentoring um, other people with spinal cord injuries, newly injured. And and I feel like I will, I will be there like sister in the way that my sister was and, and make them recognize those small things. But like when you're in it or when I'm in it, it's so hard to see that. And you do like, I know, I do remind myself that like, yes, yesterday was better than today or my sister reminds me of that. And I think it's easier, it's just easier to like, from an outside looking in, you know? It it totally is. I mean, it's always like, our lives are harder because they're our lives than other people's lives you're like oh yeah you got that that's that's awesome you're you're all set you know whereas it can be the same issue for us and we're like oh what a major issue you know (laughs) or like whatever it is what was it like when you you were talking about getting discharged like getting discharged from the hospital or from the from rehab how did how did that work? And, and with your community being such a huge part of your support, how, did you, were you able to create that community as you, as you left the rehab? Um, left inpatient or just recently when I was discharged from outpatient? Just, just recently when you left them, cause you're, you left outpatient or well, you, so you were inpatient and then you ended up going to your own apartment, right? Yeah, so as soon as I left inpatient, I was inpatient at Spalding for two months, and then I came and I moved right across the street in Charlestown, um, and I I started living by myself, um, and my that was like that was really tough, um, but I I pushed for that a lot because I guess when you going back to when you said like. Um, what drove you the most it it really was like 
getting my independence back. Um, and now I think I've achieved that. So now I can move on and be like, okay, now, now I'm ready for work, you know, but, um, I really push to live by myself and move in like alone and like they just wanted to like do it alone like I got this like I don't need anyone's help I don't I don't like asking for that help I never liked asking for help like even my dad like when I was when I was injured and I was moving across here he, he ran into someone my um I got three daughters and my youngest daughter just got injured and she's always been like the most independent and now she doesn't want any help and she's moving in by herself and blah, 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 blah. And he's like making connections for me in the building. And <laughs> like, and I ran into this woman like a couple weeks later and she was like, yeah, so I met your dad. And um, like, if you ever need anything, like, you know, hit me up. And I'm like, actually, can I use you tonight? Because the person that was going to help me tonight, like just bailed and I kind of need someone. She's like, uh, tonight? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I just had her over last night and we we're like still friends and she lives in the building and it's been great. Um, but that like, when I first got discharged from inpatient and I moved across the street, um, I pushed her being alone, but it was the same thing. I had like a schedule of friends come over every single night. So I was never alone. Um, like I lived by myself, so I had that independence, but I really wasn't alone because I had friends like coming in and out and helping me and I couldn't get into bed by myself at that time. So I needed my friends to you know, help me lift my legs up and help me take my pants off. And like, they were there and I, I knew they would be because um you know they live right in Boston and I I again have a big community in Boston um but I was just I wouldn't have I'm I owe them so much credit um because I wouldn't be where I am today like without that that support in that community and people traveled from like all the way from Syracuse and stayed with me for like a week and like took time off from work just to stay with me um and it was it it was yeah it was huge because also I did need a PCA but I was still trying to find that PCA. personal care attendant right yeah yeah and um you know Spalding will discharge you and like give you the resources but you got to find that person on your own and um I went through like four different people and they all either showed up for a little time and then just like no showed or I would call them and interview them and bring them even when I was inpatient in rehab I would bring them there and um, meet my therapist we would go over how to help me transfer set it all up and then when I moved into my apartment first day of work they just didn't show up um, and it was, that was just like, so I was like crying every other day because I was like, I just need help and I can't find it. Like to start know, your day, you need help. to get out of my bed, like to right. start my day. Yeah. So, um, but my friends were there, so they helped me and, um, yeah. And then finally I found someone and then, um, was, was able to, stop calling upon my friends every other day. 
what was the reaction from like your doctors, your nurses, your therapists, when you said that you were going to go live on your own? Were they supportive? Did they think you were crazy? They thought I was crazy. Yes. They were supportive because they knew like the drive that I had and like, um, the drive for independence and just like my strength and just like determination that they were supportive and they, they knew like I'd be okay. But at the same time, they're like, you have a C6 spinal cord injury. Like you're crazy. <laughs> like C6 complete spinal cord injury. So like, there's nothing below my chest, you know? And yeah, they, they thought I was crazy, but yeah, that was like, which I'd imagine is a big compliment for you. It was a compliment. You were crazy. You're like, I'm going to keep being crazy too. Yeah, it, it was a com definitely a compliment. Definitely a compliment on one hand. But on the other hand, I kind of hated hearing it because I was like, why are you putting me in this box that like, I can't do this? You know, like, don't, don't assume anything. Don't like, just because I'm a C6 spinal cord injury, it doesn't mean I can't do that. Like, it was a compliment, but I don't know. I was still kind of like, all right. Oh. Well, that sounds like part of the motivation too, right? The idea yeah. of like one, the independence, but two, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. You told me I can't do this. Like, all right, you know, you can think that, but I'm going to show you that it, that it is wrong. What's, what was it like? So let's go back to this weekend. Like you flew, uh, you flew from Boston to San Diego with your friend, Gabrielle but and then you flew back and not only did you fly back but you flew back on a rental uh, or on a red eye what was what was this whole experience like like getting to the airport you know because you don't know anything right now they don't I mean your OT isn't isn't sort of taking you through this is how you get on an airplane um so luckily like just because I'm very extroverted and um have met a lot of people from my gym and from therapy. Um, I had a lot of resources before I took the flight to like, like, hey, like, give me some advice. Like, how do you fly? Um, like, what do I need to do to my wheelchair? So um, I did have a few friends that I definitely called upon and um, asked them for, for pointers. Um, but and Gabrielle there was a godsend. Uh, like she, I've known, we grew up together. I've known her since like practically kindergarten. Um, we've gone on a lot of trips together. We've traveled a lot together. So we know each other very well. Um, and she just can read what I need. Uh, and like, I don't have to tell her and I don't, you know, don't really have to guide her a lot. She'll just like do it. Um, and so that was very helpful. So it actually went pretty smoothly. I completely- Were you nervous? Uh, yes, yeah. I honestly was most nervous about my wheelchair getting damaged because I hear about that a lot on social media. Um, and like the statistic that's out there is that like 29 wheelchairs a day get damaged by airlines. And if that got damaged, like, I, I don't know what I would do. Like, that those are my legs, like that's my independence. Um, so that I was most nervous about that. Um, 
but getting transferred onto the aisle chair at first, um, transferred onto it, but it's a very, very narrow aisle chair. And um, it requires- By design, so that it fits in between the aisles so you can get your seat because your wheelchair is too wide to get right. onto the airplane. Okay, right. yep. Um, and it's slippery, yeah. it's narrow and it's slippery. Narrow and slippery, yeah. And there's three seat belts. So like two test chest ones that cross and then one that hold your legs in. Um, I got very long floppy legs. So definitely like needed and like no core to hold myself up. So I needed all those seat belts. Um, so I, for, I transferred into the aisle chair. So I you did this independently? Transferred into the aisle chair independently? Um, with a little bit of help, but mostly independently, yeah. Um, okay. Then Gabrielle would like help move my legs over. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, and, but then I wasn't strapped in yet and I didn't have, the aisle chair also has um, uh, like side handles bars. Right, little armrests kind of thing. Um, and they weren't down yet. They collapse, they go up and down. And so they were folded up still. So I just transferred on and then I was holding onto my wheelchair next to me that I had just transferred off of for stability. But then someone, one of the airline attendants moved my wheelchair from behind and right. I just like completely collapsed off. This is your kickstand. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a hiccup. I was fine. It was just like, when I do fall, usually I kind of just like crumble slowly. Um, and it's like, oh boy, we're going down. Um, and, but Gabrielle like immediately like got down and like lifted my butt half in the air, but she couldn't pick me all up. And she recently has a herniated disc. So it's like, uh, she's not supposed to lift more than like 15 pounds and I'm like someone help her please and all the like airline staff members are just kind of they don't know what to do like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and I'm like someone, please just pick me up and pull me back so, um it ended up being fine uh I hope her this is the start of your trip this is the very start yeah yeah um but then they strapped me in and, and Gabrielle then had to like completely basically dismantle my wheelchair, take everything that is removable off of my wheelchair, put it into like an empty suitcase and that's my carry on. Um, and then she brought that on and, and we got on okay. Um, and my wheelchair was fine, no damages, no damages there, no damages back. Um, the red eye actually went good. It was almost better. Um, to have a red eye, there were like two options. I could either take a red eye or transfer flights. And I, I didn't want to deal with that and having to transfer into the aisle chair. With another aisle chair or two yeah. more aisle chairs for each time you stop. There's a there's one yeah. getting on, one getting off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. Well, what, yeah. what, how did, how did these challenge athlete thing how did that come about how did you end up because this is their big fundraising event for the year their triathlon i mean it's a, it's a an organization that raises money for for people with disabilities for sports equipment for training for travel 
And how did you, how did you connect? I mean, it's what it's, I think it's $134 million that they've raised over, over the last 19 years. I mean, they're just such an amazing godsend for so many people in, in, in our community, right? Whether, whether people in wheelchairs, whether amputees, I mean, there was one kid who had re- received his first, his first prosthetic leg when he was nine years old or nine months old, sorry, nine months old. You know, and then has another one at 15 months old because you grow, right? So how did you get connected with Challenge Athletes Foundation? Um, so I tried the, yes, Challenge I'm so happy to be a part of that family, um, especially after this weekend. Like, I knew they were great, but like this weekend was just so much more rewarding than I could have ever imagined. Um but I, I got started with it. I tried out the grit freedom chair when I was in rehab um, at Spalding and really liked it. It was just a neat design. Um, during like quarantine, I really got into hiking. I really enjoyed that. Um, just being outside, being in nature. Um, and so the grit freedom chair allows you to kind of go on any train because the thing about uh your wheelchair is the casters often you know get stuck in mud or sand you can't you can't go everywhere in your wheelchair um but the 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 whole design of that is that you can go anywhere um and it's a really cool lever system so it's fun to push too uh you kind of like there's two big tall uh handlebars on either side and you just push and pull them and it propels uh the kind of like bike tires um with that kind of mechanism Mm uh and really like that chair posted a picture of me um in that chair on my instagram page and one of the grit freedom chair uh sales rep um contacted me and they're like do you want to um try to get one of these and uh see if you can get a grant and purchase one I'm like yeah absolutely um sign me up give me the resources he's like well the challenge athletes foundation there um have a grant out but it is due in like two days I'm like uh-huh. okay so I like spent all weekend I think you called me like on a Thursday or Friday it's due Monday I like spent all weekend on the application and um sorry and uh got got the grant and so um loved my application and I was just put in contact with them sorry you were far too popular, apparently. Well, it's some like group text, of course. <laughs> Hold on, just gonna put on silent. Uh, I don't even know how to turn this off. Um, so it was. Apologize for this. Um, it just stops. Okay. Um, so I got in contact with them and then 
they um um then i did the podcast with bob bobbit right that's yeah bob babbit yeah habit thank you um who well, that was really fun. Um, and it was the Heroes of Sport podcast. Uh, and then just stayed in contact with them. And they invited me out to, to California for this event. Um, and I didn't really know much about it. You know, I'm still learning all these things and like what all is out there and all the foundations. Um, but it kind of just like happened like that. And that's why I'm, I'm really happy that I am putting myself out there um, and like sharing my story on Instagram because it's opening up all these opportunities for me. And like, even if it weren't for that one picture that I posted on Instagram, then I wouldn't even have known about the Challenged Athletes Foundation maybe. And maybe I would have through some other mechanism, but um, it, it kind of just like opened doors from there. Um, and then I got to meet just amazing people um, while I was there. Um, what else did you do while you were there? Well, hold on, before I ask you that, your your Instagram is Vitty's Voyage, right? Yeah. V-I-T-T-Y-S-V-O-Y-A-G-E. Yeah. So if people want to follow you, they can follow your your journey. Yeah, on, on yeah. And it was hard for me to, you know, open that up. Um, I started it as a way to just say thank you to the community that had supported me um, in like my early days of being injured uh, and I kept it private for a while and just it was just like friends and family and people that I knew that were were helping me and I, I wanted to share my story with them to, as like a thank you because I couldn't really do much you know I couldn't write like I couldn't really use my phone but um I could post a few pictures and just give people updates in in that way um and then when I opened it up to the public that was kind of hard because it's like you're really exposing yourself you know like everything's there but going back it was easier because I think of like that diabetes um background you know like I kind of already people already know my medical history like they already know that I'm injured and you know I am a, a PA so I have a lot of knowledge um like medically and so why don't I educate people and tell them like what's actually happening and um share my story that way and since I've done that I think it's really important to continue to do that because um, not everyone like does feel comfortable like sharing that much. But if someone newly injured just like sees my page and is like, okay, she can do it. Like, so can I, then like I'm helping someone else. And I don't know, like that gives me a lot of like, I guess. Yeah, the C6 can sit up and by yourself in bed. Yeah, and like, like anyone can do that. You know, you can do that, like it's possible. So um, I, that's why I've like continued to, to share and to make myself open. Um, but yeah, going back to Challenge Athletes um, Foundation, then uh, just meeting like so many people, like 
I told you I wanted to meet one arm Willie and I was just like <laughs> this is Willie Stewart one who goes by one arm Willie he lost his his arm back when he was in college yeah he's a character character I of all characters like, what or listened to your podcast a couple times but then when I met him I was just like so starstruck I like didn't even know what to say to him <laughs> he's like oh my god you're so amazing like he like you know ran to the hospital with one arm like you know like so um but yeah just like meeting people like that and um that like just like I said, like he feels very open and comfortable sharing his story and listening to him talk is just so inspiring and uplifting. Like, I don't know the way he can just like go on and on and talk about like overcoming fear and and um, like doing all these triathlons and being a captain, but then also talk about like how he, wasn't like that in his growth and and I don't know so that's why I continue to do it because I he's kind of like my motivation just like you are and I don't know, now I have all these these mentors um and I want to be a mentor for someone else too what did you do what kind of activities did you do in San Diego I hear about a budding tennis career <laughs> So yeah, I didn't, um, they had this wheelchair tennis clinic um, that I didn't originally sign up for because I have never played tennis in my life. Um, but then I told Gabrielle about it and she's like, why aren't you doing that? Like, that sounds awesome. Like, are you an idiot? You have to do it. I'm like, okay. And so I frantically emailed uh, a coordinator and it's like, is it too late? Can I still come to the wheelchair tennis clinic? She's like, yeah, absolutely. So we show up and um, I'm like, how am I going to hold a racket? <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I don't have any hand function. <laughs> and this other quad that I met, um, I, he's like, yeah, I have hardly any hand function either. Like I can't hold a camera, but I know I have duct tape in my room. I can go back and get it. And so we ask if like, you know, we need that. And they're like, yeah, you should go get it. So he ran back to his room and got it. We really just like duct taped our hands to the tennis racket. And he had a little more core function than me. So I was like trying to swing the racket, falling over the instructor, uh, was also partially a quad. He had one normal hand, one quad hand, um, but not a ton of uh, core function either. So he's like, come here, come come with me. And he grabs like a, a strap. Like a kidney went, belt kind of thing, like an elastic yeah. strap that will yeah, that went around my waist and wrapped around the back of my chair to kind of like hold me up and stabilize me, uh, which that worked really well. And um, yeah, then I played some wheelchair tennis and got in the drills. I was really bad at first, really embarrassing. Um, I should have, should have had better hand-eye coordination, I feel like, considering I was a lacrosse player, but I was a little rusty, I think. Um, but well, I got the hang of different, it. Too. It's a little different, yeah. I got the hang of it. I really would love to get in a sports chair, um, which had the the angled wheels 
um, and just they don't have the two casters in front they have they can just like turn on a dime um it's pretty hard you know trying to turn quickly to get to the ball in a normal day wheelchair um so uh i was hoping to get into one um but maybe maybe i can at spalding and i don't know see what I can see what I can do well that's the question after all this like you've traveled across country you played tennis you 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 were on your own I mean you're independent in your apartment but it's totally different being independent like in a hotel you swam what's yeah. what's next um what do I have planned next do I have to call your sister? <laughs> um, so the next couple of months, I'm planning on taking my driver's test next month um, and then hopefully getting a car uh, pretty soon. Uh, right now with the microchip shortage, that's um, kind of up in the air as to when that's all gonna happen. But um, driver's test next month. So I'm really focusing on that. Um, have you driven yet? Uh, yes. So I did like a whole training session, the net, uh, like six sessions maybe. And each session was about an hour. That was back in the spring. So I have a day scheduled that I'm just going to refresh a little bit and drive around. Um, and then the next day I'll take my driver's test. Uh, so, so it came pretty like with the with the where you put your hand in the in the like the the little holder basically kind of on the on the steering wheel yeah and, and with the with the super super power assist steering wheel where it's like you can spin the like spin the the, the steering wheel around with just like it's a like little very very easy to spin yeah yeah um and they have like three prongs that I just place my hand into right. and then I can go around like that and then same thing with the the brake and uh the pedal um it's a pretty like touchy touchy system so you just have to press it a little bit and that'll break and pull the or pull the brake push the pedal um and the same thing is I have like three prongs that I just kind of place my hand into um but and in you've the, been learning to drive in Boston, which is sort of yeah. notoriously an interesting place to drive, right? Oh God, these roads are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Not the best place to learn how to drive. <laughs> um, I mean, it came pretty quickly. Like, I, you know, I know the rules of the road and like, it was a fairly aware driver. Um, so I just... Uh, just had to learn how to get used to the the brake and the pedal and the steering wheel and keeping my body upright too. I actually, I have a, a chest strap as well that I would wrap around just to give myself a little more uh, stability I, so I wouldn't have to focus so much on keeping myself upright. I could focus on the road, you know? Yeah, you don't um, want to be exhausted. Yeah, yeah, because afterwards, like driving for an hour, I would be like a little sore because it's a like 
back workout you have to really keep your your body up and um because like now essentially like my back is my core like if I squeeze my scaps together that's what's going to keep me up you know or squeeze my shoulders back and and scaps together like that's bringing myself back so I would my shoulders would be sore after driving um and but then also learning the um like which I kind of forgot about when I first got in was how do I turn signal or how do I turn the windshield wipers on if it's raining, you know? Then there's a couple of couple of ways to do it, but um, how I'm gonna do it is there's a like, button on the side of the door and I press with my elbow. So like one uh, tap would be right, two taps would be left, three taps is, putting your windshield wipers on, four taps, windshield wiper fluid. Like, um, I think you can adjust whatever to customize it yourself, but so, and getting used to that too. So, but it was like, it was fun. It was good to. This is back to the original thing though. I mean, this is, this is your independence, right? It's, it's moving in on your own, but then driving is another form of independence that if you can drive, you can eventually go anywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, not everywhere. And then I can get myself to a job because taking transportation is just public transportation is it's really hard around here. Um, I mean, really hard for anyone. And then add being in a wheelchair on top of it, add being a quadriplegic being on top of that. So um, it, it's not easy. So if I can do that myself, um, it would just make it much more fluid. Well, this sounds great. And and I think I did threaten to connect you with my father so that you can go out and do some skiing this winter too, right? Yes. And I just actually um, heard about, I wanted to ask you if you had any idea what the, um, let me see what it is. It's called, the Tetra ski, you heard of that? The Tetra ski is actually out of out of the University of Utah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so Jeff Rosenbluth and who who does the rehab center there, they they developed it, and it's for. So it would be interesting. I think it's for higher levels than you, so people who would be more likely in in a power chair, because yeah. I think you would probably end up doing is being in a bi ski yeah i would think so the tetra ski is a little bit more where it's more it's it's uh it's more joystick yeah but they even have a cup and sip or yeah 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 so so the tetra ski so i mean it's 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 a possibility but it's it's really as i understand it and i'm not i'm not an expert but it's more uh, analogous to like your your sip and puff so people who might be in a sip and puff kind of kind of wheelchair are then in a Tetra ski, but you're out of the wheelchair and you're on the mountain and you you're you know you're maintaining some semblance of of independence, you know, of of, of being in charge of where you're going on the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems really yeah. cool. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's all about what's next, which is which is so cool. And I just I I appreciate you telling us your story and bringing us through, you know, because I think it's easy for all of us to forget 
sort of the difficult times, the times when it was a big deal that you had to, that you could lift your hand to your nose. Like that's, and, and that that was the thing that your sister wrote down that day. It's easy to forget. It's easy to go, oh yeah, well, it, it was difficult, but you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and because yeah. this is where you are right now. And so I really appreciate you being willing to, to kind of talk us through how you were able to get from there to where you are, which in some ways is, is sort of the beginning too, right? It's like you, you left there and couldn't do anything. And now it's like, okay, it's still a challenge getting around and it's still a daily challenge, but you just played tennis. You've just, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, what's, what's next? What the driving, the, the whatever. And, that to me is just really cool. I mean, it shows it shows your resilience. It shows your your perseverance and and your desire to gain that independence and willingness to work hard to gain that independence. So I really appreciate that, Diane. Yeah, well, thank you. It is it's so funny to think back. Um, like one year ago now, I remember crying to my friends who had visited me for Halloween and just being like miss my old life like I just want my old life back you know and now like after this weekend I'm like it I, it's so strange to now be like so thankful for all that's happened to me this past year a year ago I just wanted my old life back and now I'm like maybe I don't like if I didn't if I got my old life back I I wouldn't have met like you and like all these incredible people and um maybe like maybe I'm okay in this life and it's like I'm kind of thankful for it like I still wish I could walk but it's it's um it's strange it's it's a strange position that you're in I think and I mean that that you're in but I'm in the same sort of position where yeah I think it'd be great to walk but you know, there's a part of it where you, you've had experiences that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. But there's also a part of it that as uncomfortable as sometimes that is, you're, you're unique too. You know, sometimes you just want to fit into the crowd and be like, I just want to be like everybody else. But in some ways you're unique and, and as a result have a unique set of experiences. And just to see you with your friends this weekend where you were having these experiences, but they were excited to be part of the experiences that you were having. Yeah. And, it, and to be right there with you. Yeah. That was really nice to hear too. Like Gabrielle really had fun and and it was really empowering for her as well. So, yeah. Which is one of the things that you hope for, that she has a good time, that it's not like, oh, Diane's my friend and I need to support her and help her out. And I'm working so hard to to make sure that she has fun and I'm so exhausted and, and happy right. to be able to go home. Like right. she had a good time. She right. enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 It's like I'm not a complete burden. You know. <laughs> no, no. And and you're opening her world up in a lot right. of ways too. To, to something different and experiences and she's like no go play tennis you should go play tennis you're here i love that like uh yeah it was awesome i want to say thank you to you chris too like um you know i i got to know you through 
my friend Keely, uh, who I also uh, met up with, she lives in San Diego now. So, um, and her dad introduced us and we talked early on. So part of that community that we we're talking about, um, you really helped me, um, you know, just watching you. And I remember watching um, your documentary, like in rehab, as soon as I met you, I like watch your documentary, Climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, I, and I was, I still couldn't even like, I don't know if I could even sit up at that time. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, I'm sure you will do exactly that same thing for, for other people that early on, it's hard to be able to even dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, you dream of like, okay, well, I want my old life back. I want to be able to walk, but you don't necessarily dream in that same realm of like, you know, for me, I remember watching, watching like this guy, Jim Martinson ski. And I was like, wow, like you can do this. Like, this is really like skiing. Like this is, it's beautiful and it's powerful and it's fast and it's cool. And, and it's hard to, it, we're, we're lucky that so many people have paved the way for us to be able to let us go yeah okay okay there's a possibility there's stuff out there i can do it it's going to be fun yeah so i'm happy that i could be there for you in that respect because you know so many people have been there for me and i'm sure you'll be there for so many other people so it's kind of that cycle of cycle of life or cycle of, of it forward and position yeah yeah so of existence i guess so yeah well then it's it's wonderful for me now to to be able to call you a friend and and i look forward to seeing you on on adventures and seeing what your next adventures are going to be so thank you for joining us thank you thank you so much for having me this has been really fun this has been great not you didn't need to be too nervous right <laughs> no you make it easy you're very deductive <laughs> perfect well thank you so much thank you to all of you for tuning in this has been a really fun episode if you didn't get a chance to see the whole thing it will be on the one revolution page on facebook so you can go back to it you can watch the whole thing we will edit later on and make it into a podcast that'll be on youtube and apple and spotify and all the other suspects. So the, as we usually say, the greatest gift that you can give us is to tell your friends, tell your friends to tune in when it's a podcast, to like the podcast, to follow us, to subscribe. Those are the things that help us bring more cool people like Diane to the show. So Diane, thank you again. And thanks to all of you.